You are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the day and time that we welcome David Sampson to the show's proceedings. He has nothing personal with David Sampson. He records it live, an award-winning show at 8 a.m. weekdays. You can follow David on Twix, Twitter slash X, at David, the letter P. Sampson, David P. Sampson. We know you've done some traveling in the last week. How you been? I am very well. It's uh, it's good to be here. It's funny to think about the way time passes. It, I turned Lawrence Taylor yesterday, so it's been a difficult transition. Oh, you're am. closer to 60 than 50. Uh, so I didn't think about that. I just thought about Lawrence Taylor, my favorite player who I ever watched. And I always viewed his jersey number as aspirational, but certainly as old. And then I got there yesterday, and time just keeps going. So I decided I, I would spend my birthday just working, and that's what I did. I didn't sleep, so I was up for about 22 and a half of the 24 hours of my birthday because I want to maximize the days when people get in touch with you feigning friendship. And so I, uh, I, I wanted to maximize that. So do you take every call and every text seriously, or do you know some of them are in jest and then, and then give the response that that should provide? No, I don't think they're in jest. I think it's important to note who's texting, who's calling. I did, ha- I did wonder whether the kids would text or call, and then underneath the subset of call, would it be a FaceTime or a regular call? And I went three for three with FaceTimes only after I had gotten a text from my middle daughter to start the day. And my response to the happy birthday text was a simple thanks. And that may have been passive aggressive enough (laughs) to warrant a FaceTime seven hours later. How many of the birthday greetings did you sense were people seeing that it was your birthday on Facebook and going, oh, well, hell, I might as well wish him a happy birthday. Oh, I think that reasonably you're somewhere in the 94 to 96% range. I'm the only one I know who keeps birthdays in my calendar. So I get alerts. I'm a big birthday guy because I like, I don't, I hate my birthday, but I like reaching out to people on theirs because it's a good point of contact. I don't like having to reach out to people only when I need something. So it's good to just do a happy birthday each year. And then you can say, by the way, I need tickets to blank or, Hey, can you help me with blank? So I think it's strategic, and it's also nice just to reach out to someone, even if it's once a year. But you certainly learn how things work when you get a text from someone and you see that you had not texted since their birthday and then the year to the day for my birthday. So there are those groups of people who are simply birthday text friends. And then below that are the Facebook text friends where they post happy birthday, David. And now you don't even have to type it. You can do a quick click under the name on Facebook and it populates it for you. So I know there's just a lot of love with that. Yeah, I won't do the Facebook birthdays, but if I have their number in my phone and I see that it's their birthday, I give the personal text. I try to go one up from the the Facebook happy birthday to at least reach out and say, okay, happy, happy birthday. I, I figure I that's a little more personal. At. I think you have to do that. And then you have to decide... Who is in your friendship circle who then warrants a phone call? And then above that is who warrants a second call if it goes to voicemail? 
are there people you just need them to hear your voice on their birthday? So to me, it's a, a chain where I'm valuing each relationship and trying to figure out where to put each person on the supply chain of contact points on their birthday. My best friend texted me two days after my birthday. I text him a day after his. We would both take a bullet for the other, though. I mean, are you I'm maybe so joining? Sure. <laughs> no, no, no. I am very sure. No, I'm very sure. Okay, so I'm just wondering, are you drawing maybe a little too much into this? I believe that there's a direct correlation. And uh, I've never heard someone describe both I would take a bullet for and, oh, I forgot what day your birthday is because I was too busy in my own world. I've never seen those two things married. Did you get a text from Scott Boris? (laughs) No, no, I certainly did not. But certainly I found out through various people who are in touch with Scott Boris that someone in that shop is certainly listening to nothing personal every day and would much rather that I would get back in the game as an executive, which would be the end of nothing personal, because uh, it is, it's hard to hear the truth. And there's not a lot of truth tellers out there when it comes to Scott and the antics because they just haven't been a part of them. And this, this offseason is a great example. The Cody Bellinger contract. I let off my show with it yesterday. Uh, There's no doubt that he promised Bellinger more, but then pivoted and said, we're just going to do a Correa for you. We'll give you the three years, 80 million. And then next year, we'll give you the 200 over six, the way he got for Correa. So you don't look at this deal as a loss for Boris. Do you think, is it a tie? I mean, the the Bellinger deal, did he... He certainly didn't win that deal. He didn't get the money he was oh, promising. I think it's a straight loss. He okay. promised Bellinger more money, and Bellinger only got guaranteed 80. Now, what's interesting in a deal like that is the Cubs could end up the losers because we don't know, as an evaluator, we, we basically say whatever fits the narrative that we want. So the signing team of Bellinger says last year was the real Bellinger. He's back and he's going to just keep going from here. The teams that don't get him say last year was the anomaly. Thank God we didn't sign him because why would we guarantee that much money after so many years of crap performance and then one year of good? We're going to assume the crap is what's going to come back to the surface. So the narrative changes according to where you are with the player. Is this an opportunity, though, for like the Orioles – uh, even the Mariners, you know, to just grab a Blake Snell or a Jordan Montgomery and do the same type of deal. We'll sign you three years. You know you're going to opt out after a year. We know you're going to opt out after a year. We'll give you basically a million a start for 2024, and then, you know, we wish you all the best. Here's the problem. When teams are making their budgets, it is very rare right now on February 27th for a team to have $30 million in their budget available current dollars. Now, they could work deferrals the way the Nationals love to do, the way the Dodgers love to do. But in terms of current day cash outlay, not many teams are going to bring on a $30 million player now. There are a couple, but I think what Boris misunderstood is the number of teams. And I, I bring your attention to Montgomery and the Rangers. If the Rangers had the money to sign Montgomery, it wouldn't have been leaked that Montgomery had a FaceTime with the Boston Red Sox. 
because he's trying to drum up competition for a pillow deal, exactly as you're describing, but it is not common for teams to do it. So I would say the chances of the Orioles signing Montgomery are de minimis. You never know because there's a new owner coming who may want to make a quick splash, but I would say that I wouldn't count on it. So when you're looking at Montgomery and Snell, you're just still looking at the big market teams with all the money to sign them, right? I believe that that is the only way where there are teams who are willing to go to that next tax level to take on a player uh, because they think they're one pitcher away. The Yankees have been clear, and I think everybody's clear with the Yankees that they need a deeper rotation in order for uh, Soto to even matter. And that's the irony of the Dodgers as an example. We have Otani starting today. The Dodgers are being looked at as the favorites to win the World Series without a doubt. All they did was sign a DH this offseason and a Japanese pitcher who may or may not be an ace, certainly paid like one, and an oft-injured guy who you guys know so well, Tyler Glasnow. And when he's when he's good, he's great, but you just don't know if you're going to get 33 starts. And below that, the rotation is dicey at best. So it's going to be a fascinating season where everyone in the NL West really does have a chance. And we'll just see how it plays out. Do you believe there's such a thing as a can't handle New York, can't handle Boston, can't handle L.A. thing? Because like Jordan Montgomery has had a really solid career. He's basically a number three starter everywhere he's been. He was batting practice with the Yankees. I mean, do you actually believe there are guys who can't handle certain markets? Boy, there's a lot of examples, aren't there? But Sonny Gray, Carl Pavano. All right, Ed Whitson, right. You can go all the way back. God, I hope our audience skews old. So here's the thing about that. There are also players who don't do well for small market teams and then come and they're fantastic. David Ortiz was crap for Minnesota, goes to Boston, and becomes a Hall of Famer. So we tend not to focus when it's the other way and, and we only say, oh, they're not big city, big market pitchers. But sometimes it just doesn't work out on a particular team, and it works out on a team later on. So I don't believe that as executives we correlate things that way, but we certainly do use it as blame to deflect against our bad evaluation. We don't say, hey, Sonny Gray was bad as a Yankee. We say he can't be a Yankee. Our evaluation is he was a number three starter. He just couldn't do it here. You mentioned the Yankees pitching as we're getting, you know, spring training's going now. When you look at that division, who do you like? So it's hard not to like the Yankees team to win a division and then to falter in October uh, unless they get a little deeper in in pitching. Uh, I think the Orioles are bound for a regression. People are all excited. They got Corbin Burns. They're the most improved team. It's really hard to do what they did last year, and it's really hard to do it in back-to-back years. And the thing with young pitchers, and they've had, you know, with Rutschman and Gunner, and they have Holiday now, the next great young rookie of the year potential, it's hard to get top performance back-to-back years. Is it possible they're going to become the Astros and win four or five um, uh, conferences? Um, What's the American League? Five American League championships in a row? I don't think they've got the rotation to do it the way Houston did, if you think about their dynasty. So I'm worried about them. Red Sox, terrible. Blue Jays have a chance. But I think uh, I think it's the Rays and the Yankees for me. De minimis. Very right. small. Uh, yeah, too trivial or minor to merit consideration. 
right? I think yeah, that that's literally, a perfect way. Miller and Malton looked at one another like, uh, we've been on Earth about 110 years. I haven't heard that one before. We had people in the Twitch chat room go, is that a new word? So I, I just wanted to clear and set the record straight. De minimis is an adjective too trivial or minor to merit consideration, especially in law. So that is where I, I first learned de minimis in law school, and I loved using it in the baseball world because I loved saying to agents, hey, by the way, the chance of your player helping us is de minimis. And Miller and Moulton right there representing the player would be like, I think he just insulted us. I need to call the Astros. He's <laughs> David Sampson. Nothing personal with David Sampson. It is not de minimis, but it is live at 8 a.m. weekdays, and you can follow him on Twix at David, the letter P. Sampson, David P. Sampson. Be well, my friend. We'll talk next week. Ed Whitson. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. And now here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. 21 minutes past the hour. Trent Bally in the play of the day. He had three of them yesterday. Let's see how many he's got today coming up. In a handful of minutes. John Harris is at the Combine. He works predominantly with the Houston Texans. Covers the draft, though, in a big way. He'll join us at the top of the hour. Steve Carney in a little more than an hour. Ray's having an interesting spring training. Got a bunch of new faces this year. And yet still expected to be a contender. We'll talk to Steve about the Rays. Coming up a little more than an hour. Are we going to come up with a poll question? I uh, I put one up. It's a good one. Oh, I think it's a good one. Boy, he sounds – keep selling it, Mark. Boy. Well, we were talking a little baseball. Spring training's here. It started. So how many spring training games will you attend? There you go. That's a Florida question. We're the Florida Sports Network. Right. Let As Tom Brady would say, let's go. Missed a word, but I got you. Yeah, well, I, I kind of have to, is my understanding. You do. So zero, one to three, or four plus. So a zero, one to three, or a bunch. A bunch, a yes. Bunch. <laughs> Look at you. Did there? Uh, people would have had to have been listening to our David Sampson segment, but would zero or one to three be de minimis? I think zero would be de minimis. Okay. So there you I, go. I clicked one to three because I plan on going to a game this year. Well, I think Trent's going to be a bunch because A, he's got a buddy of ours who's hooked him up with spring training tickets where he currently lives in Fort Myers. Never mind, we know he's going to make at least one trip to Lakeland to see his beloved Tigers. So my guess is the three of us are all three categories. Yeah, I think you're right. I'll be March four plus three, and you're a bunch because I'm zip zilch nada. Well, how far would you have to even go to get to a game? Oh, at least an hour and a half. But Trent's driving two and a half hours to Lakeland, for goodness sakes. It is like a weekend trip, though. I'm not just doing a down and back. So it's, I guess. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. It's over two hours for me. The 95 South to get to Port St. Lucie, it'd be uh, a good two hours. A good two hours, maybe two and a half. But you're going to make a trip to the 239. I thought for sure one afternoon before you'd leave back to. 
Jacksonville, you'd sneak over and get a spring training game in. I mean, that's that's right up your alley. Are you kidding me? I, I understand that, but I'm barely going to be there. I'm, I'm going to be there long enough to, you know, do a couple shows with you guys and uh, throw in a cancer screening just, you know, for you know what and giggles. Right. <laughs> you know, Trent's got to do those as well. I mean, yeah. he flew back to Detroit, and he was there just about long enough to do a screening. Hell, he flew to Nashville. His brother, you know, has got another song. He was barely there long enough to hear it. I mean, you know, you got to admit, the three of us, we do short road trips. Mark, you spend longer at your daughter's soccer practice than Trent and I spend on the road when we go travel. It's a dadgum good point. I will say Trent and I went out for hot dogs after the show yesterday. There was no ketchup allowed. I just want to let everybody know that. Pictures yes. were posted. Yes. We they missed don't it even, by. They don't even have ketchup like sitting on the table. No. Here. Yeah. Nor should it, they. It, it's great. No, I, this is a good thing. I didn't have ketchup on mine. In fact, David, you would have loved this. Uh, Mark treated, so I got I got two, and I got a to-go box for one of them. And I brought two it. Two hot dogs, and he got a to-go box for I, a hot dog. I David, you'll love this, he said. I ate it like three hours later. <laughs> you couldn't eat two hot dogs at He's a sitting? He's so skinny. I mean, I hate him. Oh my! I, I had one. They're, they're, these are not like they're not small. Oh, stop Whatever, it. David. Stop it. I had both done before he had one. I done. was going to say I don't care if they're the size of my thighs. You couldn't have two for real, lunch. Real many two. Wait, I love the fact though he implied if you weren't treating, he only would have bought one. I.e., that's all I can afford working for you two yahoos. But I found out this little hot dog place that, we, you know, like many places have Taco Tuesdays, they have Coney Dog Tuesdays. So I could, this could be, I could sit down and have five next week. But you're going to have to wait till Tuesday. Yeah. That's going to be my new thing. In fact, I want to, I want to bring the whole Twitch chat room to this hot dog joint and just invade this place Tuesday at 10. They could probably use Boy. it the time we're there. Boy, Trent. Mark sounds like he's going to go crazy. He's going to show up on a Tuesday with a $20 bill, just slam it down on the table and go, just line them up. Give me hot dogs until we're out of money. Look, that place, I will say, too, I loved the interior. I got Detroit sports merch everywhere. Mark knew what he was doing when he took me to this place. It was great. And it, it, he could care less about the interior. He went for the dogs. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, we're... We're two we're two older guys here. We're we're going for the food. I mean, just it's not the decor, it's not the ambiance. Okay, you know maybe we notice if the wait staff is attractive or effective, but we go for the food. That's where we're at in our life. You're into all that other stuff, and can I have a to go box? I don't remember the last time I've had a to go box. I'm not kidding. <laughs> For me, for me, I told Mark straight up, I said, I am notorious for not caring about food, not eating a lot of food and always having a to-go box trifecta. How how the hell did we hire him? Seriously, what kind of, we have to next time, we got to really redo our screening. Okay, we have a major breach in our security system. Well, David, what I'm trying to do is keep the average weight of the show down. So what I did is hire a bean pole. <laughs> well, that's true. He does make up for me. 
fact, I think in honor of Trent, I'm going to load up on lunch today. Go, well, you know, he only had one dog yesterday. I might as well have four. All right, Trent. Time now for the Molly Made Play of the Day. What do you have for us? We go to the greatest indoor venue in the country, Madison Square Garden. Knicks are 11.5-point favorites, but the Pistons are hanging in there. They're even clinging to a one-point lead in the final 20 seconds, and that's when all this chaos went down. Brunson misses a three from the top, rebound batted around, ends up in DiVincenzo's hands. He, it's, a, it's a whole mess. Then he just absolutely levels Asar Thompson. And I'll just okay. let you hear the rest. Picked up by Brunson. Brunson inside the heart. Hearts banks it in. The great Mike Breen. Excellent. Uh, Josh Hart with the N1 to win it. Pistons remain at eight wins on the season. Monty Williams, as you heard, ripped the officials, who immediately admitted their mistake. It was a whole mess. I, I, I know. I know you guys are right. Okay, that's the honorable thing for them to do. That would infuriate me even more at that moment. Today, I would feel better that they at least owned up to it. But in the moment, it would make me angrier. And just for you-know-what and giggles real quick because we have a minute left, here's a little something else that happened last night in college basketball, in case you were wondering. The Mississippi Valley Delta Devils are currently on a one-game winning streak. The Mississippi Valley Delta Devils improved to 1-27. There you go. Molly made play of the day. <laughs> I can't believe the great Mike Breen could somehow be the play of the day over the Delta Devils snapping an 0-27 for season. Seven seven four fifty eight thirty nine. That's two three nine seven seven four five eight three nine for Molly Maids. Call today. Tell them Miller and Moulton sent you, and give your spouse the gift of a clean house. Could you give me a little Delta Devils? Can you do, hit that again? The Mississippi Valley Delta Devils are currently on a one-game winning streak. The Mississippi Valley Delta Devils improved to one and twenty-seven. That's outstanding. That is fantastic. Miller and Moulton. We got some major college football rumors next. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes for the top of the hour. John Harris, live from the Combine, to join us. At that time, Steve Carney, an hour from now, we'll talk a little Rays spring training baseball. Lots of changes with the Rays this year. Are they still a legitimate playoff contender or even more than that? That's what we've come to expect despite all the changes, but they've made a lot of them this year. We'll talk to Steve Carney about that an hour from now. So, um, Greg Swain, remember him? Oh, yeah. Conference realignment guy. Right. College football guy based out of Oklahoma. And he was probably the first one that we noticed nationally that said Pac-12 is going to get blown up and expect most of them to go to the Big 12. But he said at the very least, the four corner schools were going to go. 
And sure enough, that's who went first. And then, you know, the rest went to the Big Ten and, and what have you. A couple more followed. We know what took place. So Greg Swaim last night and really late yesterday afternoon, he said, um, yeah, buckle up because here it comes. He said it could go all the way to 64 and they could just break away. SEC, Big Ten, Big 12. They they could. Then that, if you include Oregon State and Washington State, there's 69 Power Five programs. And he started talking about the possibility of certain programs that are currently in conferences being kicked out of said conferences. And he said, be careful if you're a small private school. So go figure out who those schools are. But Mark, he said... Um, yeah, the Big Ten and the SEC are coming poaching. And uh, they're going where you'd expect. They're going to the ACC. And don't be surprised if they even take one or two from the Big 12. But there was one other thing that he said that is, I think, difficult even for you and I who have loved this story for 14 years. I mean, we go all the way back to when Texas and Oklahoma nearly went to the Pac-12, which I believe was 2010. And the Pac-12, by the way, rejected them. At the end of the day, Texas and Oklahoma were willing to go, and the Pac-12 said no. To show you just how mm, the Pac-12 has been this entire time. Okay. Um. Greg Swaim said that there's a good chance Texas A&M leaves the SEC for the Big Ten. That this whole Texas coming to the SEC has honked off the folks at A&M who wanted veto power over Texas coming into the conference and had none. They counted on the Georgia-Florida alliance South Carolina, uh, South Carolina Alliance that, you know, South Carolina would always want to keep Clemson out, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State. And so they figured they would. So there'd be four votes right there. And they didn't know if they needed any more. Four, I think, would have been enough and when the alliance went away. Right. That was three. Remember, it's been three years. It'll be three years this summer. When news broke of Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, you do remember who leaked the news, Texas A&M. And the SEC wasn't happy about that. And Texas A&M was like, yeah, our unhappiness with you far outranks your disappointment in us. But, and his point is that, you know how many kids from Texas go play for Ohio State, and a couple go play for Michigan and what have you. And he said, um, yeah, you could actually now keep all the Texas kids home. There's no reason to go to Ohio State. And he said, oh, yeah, you make more money in the Big Ten than you do the SEC. Now, we know the obvious, if, if we're really going to get this crazy, and if we're really going to start poaching teams, you know, if Coke and Pepsi are going to start poaching trade secrets, 
you know, now this is a whole different level. Can you imagine that taking place? I can imagine Texas A&M wanting it to take place. I don't think Texas A&M loves their experience in the SEC. But that even, and it puts the Big Ten where? In Texas, the one state they're not in. When they get Florida State and they get Texas and they get Miami. Now he's talking about the Big Ten's going to stop at 20. They're at 18 beginning this football season. He thinks that they're going to go Texas A&M, and then at that point they're going to look at Notre Dame and go, now or never. But you and I are of the belief that Carolina, Virginia, Florida State, and Miami are going to the Big Ten to make 22, and then they can figure out if they want to go to 24 or not. But – and Greg Swaim, you know, because people obviously went after him. You're nuts. You're crazy. He goes, well, all I know is I got this from a guy who literally has never been wrong. He goes, we all have sources. He goes, there are really good sources. He goes, and then there are the sources that have never been wrong. He goes, I got three guys who have never been wrong. I got this from one of those three guys. Yeah. Okay. So February 2024, write it down. Don't know when or if this will happen. But if it does, we get to go back and go, remember Greg Swaim? Well, you know, he also posted to me an even wilder one four days ago. Because the A&M to the Big Ten's nuts. But the post <laughs> that he had four days ago that he reposted this morning, this is the one I thought you were going to read, David. Okay. Wait. So A&M going to the Big Ten's not wild enough. You want to come off the top rope and go, all right, go for it. Yeah. I'll raise okay. your Texas A&M, David. Okay. Well, listen, I'm all in right now, so you're going to clean me out in this game of poker. Notre Dame finally coming to the realization that they'll have to join a conference, and it'll be the Big Ten. Notre Dame, when they announced their new deal with NBC a few months ago, proudly, proudly said, and now we get to remain independent, which is what we've always wanted to maintain. So I'm trying to figure what in the world changed in 100 days. And remember, the guy who's taken over as athletic director of Notre Dame is coming from where? NBC. He basically negotiated the new TV deal while wearing two hats. I don't know if the winning the conference thing, that's the only thing that's changed, David, is in order to get a top seed, you have to be a conference champion. That's what's changed. Although we knew that was coming that way, but that's the only thing to me that's different. There was a national discussion that broke out late last week. It started talking about Indiana basketball, but that wasn't interesting enough for the national talking heads. So they had to bring someone else into the discussion. And it started out as, is Indiana still a blue blood? Can Indiana ever be Indiana again? And then somebody said, well, isn't Indiana basketball just Notre Dame football? 
Last national championship for Indiana basketball, 87. Last national championship for Notre Dame football, 88. Indiana went to a Final Four in 92. Indiana played for the national title in 01 or 02 with Mike Davis. So, you know, it's and I don't think they've advanced past the Sweet 16 in those 20-plus years. And, you know, Notre Dame played for the national title in 2012 and have made two college football playoffs since. I mean, you know, three of the last 12 seasons, they've been in the mix for the national championship, yet they're seen as Wisconsin. A good program, but nah, nothing special. Not elite. Well, when your coach leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU, <laughs> the rest of the college football world took notice and said, what the hell just happened? Well, and he did say, you know, I think I couldn't do any more at Notre Dame. That Notre Dame's the top 10 program, you know, maybe six through eight, but, you know, can't win a national championship at Notre Dame is basically what Brian Kelly said. I can get players here. We can. I can win a national championship at LSU. I don't think I can do it at Notre Dame. So I, I saw the Notre Dame stuff, and just because of who it came from, and he's been so accurate with his predictions of what's happening to conference realignment, that that one took me back. I have to admit, I think there's a better chance of A&M to the Big Ten than there is of Notre Dame to the Big Ten. Mark, they've had so many chances. It's a standing invite. Unless Tony Petiti's finally going to be, you know, will they finally get to enough teams in which they go, you know, if the number's 20 or 24, when they look at them and they go, just so you know, we're closing the door and we're locking it. There is no more room for you. The Huskies in Texas A&M this week on Big Ten Network. (laughs) Now, as crazy, here's the one thing that I do believe works if you believe that Notre Dame is going to be forced into a conference one day. The fact that they are still married to NBC, who's one of the three television partners of the Big Ten. And, And I do think that the other two networks and the conference, if Notre Dame said we'll join, but NBC has to have our home games. I actually think the other two networks would go along with it because then they would look at them and go, well, we'll split your road games three and three. And in Fox's case, you know, a couple of the lesser games, you know, if that means big 10 network, well, Fox owns that. So I actually think the networks would, to get Notre Dame, I think the networks would play ball. And for the a little added prestige that they would add to the Big Ten, just a little bit, okay, that I think the powers that be in the Big Ten would grit their teeth and go, all right, we'll do it for now, but this TV contract expires in 2031. Catholics versus the convicts on Big Ten Network. Boy, that'd be hysterical. <laughs> that would be amazing if Notre Dame-Miami was a conference game. In oh, the Big Ten. Goodness. In the Big Ten. Right. Golly. 
Poll question. What's more likely to happen? A&M to the Big Ten, Notre Dame to the Big Ten. Let's get it up. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that because, I mean, people will be like, you guys are idiots, morons. None of it's going to happen. I'm just asking you. My 20 bucks, because I actually think it's A&M. Somehow, David, I've always thought that there's a point in which Notre Dame will join the Big Ten. That the whole thought of two or three conferences separating themselves, the NCAA keeps losing any court case that comes up. So I just wonder at what point football decides that you and I have talked about for 15 years, David, of football doing its own thing. And would Notre Dame go with them and be part of the Big Ten? I I know I've said this before, and for those that are longtime listeners, I apologize for repeating myself. I cannot understand why Big Ten's still schedules Notre Dame. I would have mandated as commissioner. Fine, you don't want to join? Just so you know, none of our schools are going to play you again. And that would come from the very top. And I'd look at them and I'd go, you want them in the conference? We got to play hardball. I'm sorry, Purdue. I'm sorry, Indiana. I'm sorry, those of you that have scheduled them. We're going to have to play hardball on this one. Hey, Oklahoma and Nebraska stopped playing football. Texas and Texas A&M stopped playing football. Pitt and West Virginia stopped playing football. The world still goes on its axis just fine. What's funny is a lot of them largely have, but then Ohio State schedules them. I know, but what no, I'm saying I know, is I know that, what you're saying. I know exactly I what you're saying. I, I would have sat down and said they're dead to us. But the longstanding rivalries quit playing. I, I don't know why they've allowed other schools to schedule them. I'm with you 100% on this. If we want them to have to leave their independence and join a conference, then we have to push them to the side and say you're dead to us. Trust me, they're not going to schedule a bunch of SEC teams to fill out their schedule. Miller and Moulton. We'll switch gears and talk the combine with John Harris. He's next right here on the Florida Sports Network.